Disclaimer. This episode of the Writer's Block does contain strong language. It does contain strong themes. The book referenced in this particular show is Don't Believe Your Lying Eyes, which deals with the concept and serious issue of narcissistic personality disorder. All information to order the book will be in the show notes, but the content for this particular show is going to be of a more adult nature. Listening discretion is advised. Thank you. Trigger warnings, abuse, domestic violence, and recovering from from narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder. Thank you. Sometimes you just have to call a motherfucker a motherfucker. Nikki Giovanni. Welcome to the Writer's Block. This space is for aspiring writers, indie and published authors who desire tips, tricks and tools to foster confidence in your ability to write. This space is also for voice actors, editors and literary agents. All those people whom are writing adjacent. Let this space be a haven, a resource, and a reminder you can write all you see and see all you write. Grab your pens. We're about to circle the block. Hello. Hello. It is such a it is such an honor to have you all on the show today. Can you just go ahead and introduce yourselves real quick? Yes, I am Dr. Natanji Thomas. And hi, I am uh, Miss Gaylin Lear. It is such an amazing. I am. I'm actually very hyped that y'all that y'all are on the show, especially with <laughs> especially with uh, everything going on in uh, culture right now, especially as it relates to narcissism, uh, NPD, and the like. So as far as your book is concerned, walk us through the journey, walk us through that journey, because I know a lot of people, especially on social media, again, because uh, narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder is, again, this hot topic. And, mm-hmm. there are, and there are people who don't necessarily, um, they're not confident enough or healed enough to really talk about that experience. So how did you all come up with how did that conversation even evolve? Like, how did how did that walk me through that process? <laughs> well, um, we started with Galen and I. Well, I, Galen is a friend of mine. We go all the way back from college, and then Nigel is someone that I worked with. So I was having these individual conversations with both of these people, and. Galen one day is like, we need to write a book. And I was like, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And yeah, we all have really been um, in relationships or uh, we're still in relationships with narcissists. Mm -hmm. And so as we were talking about it, we understood that we were all like being manipulated. We all had experiences that mirrored each other. So we were like, hey, we need to do some research. And and then we just started talking about maybe writing a book about it. Right. And how it was so important to bring awareness to this to this um, type of person that 
you have in your life and you have no idea what's going on with you and you wind up thinking that you're crazy, it's like, right. oh no, we have to do some preventative measures here. <laughs> yes. So, and I actually love that you all said that because again, they're, they're sometimes the best book ideas come from random conversations and sometimes from, their, from those random conversations, you unearth things. Mm-hmm. And from and from that unearthing, it it's really it really compels you to go forward and say, okay, how, okay, how can we maximize this, and how can this become a teachable moment? Because exactly. because me me being you know I'm anyone who has listened to this space for any amount of time knows that I'm a nerd, <laughs> so I'm I'm all I'm always researching something, I'm always looking something something up, and uh, the dictionary app on my on my on my phone, I love the word of the day, so. But the one thing that I really love, especially when I was finishing my undergrad, is sight, especially abnormal sight, because I think right. human behavior is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Galen and, and I both Galen and I both have that background. Right. Um for me, um, Dr. Thomas, I have my PhD in counseling education, have been working in the field for over twenty over twenty-five years. And um, and I'm currently, I'm a counselor as well as a counselor educator. And then Galen, you have the um, bachelor's, in psych- bachelor's in psychology. So we both come from that mental health field and Galen actually works with special needs children currently. So mm. we knew the, the, the scope of what we were dealing with because we see it not just in our everyday lives, but in our professional lives as well. Right. And then we started, uh, we, you know, took what we, the background that we had and we started doing more research. You know, Mm -hmm. when I was in my undergrad for my psychology degree, they kind of skimmed over narcissism, you know, and it wasn't like really in depth. And then we decided to go ahead and do some research. And then we found that there's like a large community of uh, survivors of MPD. And there's so many people that are suffering from it and Mm -hmm. dealing with it. So we also found that it's about 16 million narcissists that's roaming among us. And probably everyone has been in contact, knows, or been in a relationship with someone with MPD. Ooh, so now now we've kind of creaked open that door. Let me let me be a psych nerd real quick. Do you necessarily <laughs> think that that NPD and narcissism? Do you necessarily think that is a that's be that's a catch all right now? Because again, that that seems to be like the hot topic. Actually, yes, and <laughs> it's funny that you say that because we're working on a second book. Yes, <laughs> more to, books. To, yes, to follow this one up to clarify what narcissistic personality disorder is versus right. someone that has the traits because all of us all of us have traits right yeah. but being in, being in america, in america period, being in society period we all have some of those traits exactly but mm-hmm. it is like you stated a catch-all phrase everyone isn't a narcissist that you come across they may have two or three of the traits but that doesn't make them a narcissist there are nine different traits that a person with narcissism can have. And to be clinically diagnosed, they have to meet at least five of those criteria. Mm-hmm. So when we keep saying, oh, that person's a narcissist, just because somebody has an inflated ego doesn't mean that they're a narcissist. That just means that they're highly confident. Maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. Which kind of which kind of goes into um, that coded language of, 
identifying behavior. Exactly. So, it, so it's mm-hmm. like, oh, just like with women who are ambitious. Oh, if she's, for men who are ambitious, they're assertive. But for women who are ambitious, oh, she's a bitch and she's, and she's Absolutely. aggressive. Right. And she's hard to deal with. I, I like being hard to deal with. That means that means I can't be handled any kind of way. Exactly. I like, I like being I like being hard to deal with. But um, since we've kind of opened the door for uh, is again for for both of your uh, clinical experiences, could you? And I know that there are nine um, nine areas by which uh, a person needs to meet in order to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Can you clinically define what NPD is? Absolutely. I wouldn't be a clinician if I couldn't define. <laughs> yes, Dr. Thomas. Teach the children, Dr. Teach, teach the children, Dr. Thomas. Yes. Tell, tell them tell them the tell them the right vernacular, ma'am. Yes, I'm here for all of this. Yes. Okay, so I'm just gonna break it down real simple. A narcissistic personality, it causes problems in areas of life such as relationships, work, school or financial affairs. And people with narcissistic personality um, generally are unhappy, disappointed, but it really is behaviors. So let me go over the behaviors that are attributed to narcissism. So it's having a grandiose sense of importance. So person who thinks so highly of themselves, um, they're the best in the world. They're the best that this is uh, somebody with a grandiose sense of per- of self. Um, they're preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or some type of ideal love. Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, um, someone that comes into your life and says, oh, I want to have that type of love that my grandparents have or like um, the couple in the notebook, you know, mm-hmm. having false sense of what love is. <laughs> they believe that they're special and unique and that nobody else can understand them. Mm. They have a need for um, excessive admiration, a sense of self-entitlement. They're um, Interpersonal behaviors are are rocky, so they don't have a lot of friends. They it's hard mm-hmm. for them to form friendships. They have a lack of empathy. Um, mm-hmm. They envy others or believe that others are envious and jealous of them, and they demonstrate um, arrogance. Right. Yep. So that's basically, in a nutshell, what it is. Oh wow! So, so again, publicly, we can say Donald Trump was a narcissist, yes. or is a narcissist since he's still living. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard Galen. Yeah, yes, yeah, like yes. That was that was all. That was her teacher and cl- and clinical voice. I heard that. She, yes, because that's not up. That's not up for debate. No, no, ma'am. It's right. not for. That's not up for debate. No, no. But the one the one thing that um again that I that I love about what um, the book can represent. It's, al- it's also, um, it, it can also almost be 
almost an addendum to a textbook because that's kind of that's almost how it reads as well. Yeah. Well, well, I guess that comes from Galen and I both being teachers. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but 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 that's but that's actually what I think. I think that's not a bad idea because again you have people getting you know all this information because again uh everybody's trying to di diagnose their dog to their mama to you know to, e to every ex that they had as, as being a, as being a narcissist so some so right. some things um I, I personally believe just as you said dr thomas that there are aspects of our personality that are very self-centered mm -hmm. that you know that are very you know that, that are very you know me mine and no more yeah, and we need those those traits to protect ourselves so that we don't get taken advantage of and even having a sense of grandiosity to help boost our self-esteem, to maybe right. even encourage us to do something that we otherwise wouldn't do or are afraid to do. So it's helpful in a certain extent, but when you over, when it starts to hurt people, Right. Then that's when you need to check it at the door. Right. Do some self evaluation. Well, I'm going to offer this question to uh, to to Galen as well. What makes what makes a narcissist dangerous? Because again, I understand that the book is written from um, three point three points of view, and I do understand the male voice in for this book is not is is not available for this particular session. But his answers will be on will be. Um, on the website, which is which will be in the show notes. But what do you think makes a narcissist dangerous? Because again, most all with all this information, you know, out in the culture, and especially with uh, what happened with Derek Jackson and his wife. So now, you know, narcissism is being thrown on him. When I personally think he's just being a trash human, a trash human being for, mm -hmm. for what for what he did to her in front of uh, God and and all of Beyonce's internet. But what do you? But what do you think? makes a narcissist dangerous? So, uh, Derek Jackson, I kind of got my eye on him. You know, he might be on the spectrum a little bit for the narcissistic mm -hmm. disorder. But narcissists are, um, they're emotionally and physically, uh, psychologically abusive. They can be mm -hmm. also physically abusive, um, depending on how, what level you, you kind of take them to. If they are not getting their wants and needs met, they can also be physically abusive. So right. uh, the narcissists um, oftentimes require like extensive therapy and counseling once they leave the relationship or right. sometimes when they're still actively involved in those toxic, in that toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it's very difficult to leave these abusers because um, narcissists refuse to move on. Um, even if you're grade A supply for them, then it's very, they don't want to move on. They enjoy the supply that you give to them. And uh, they always use whatever manipulative tactics like uh, hoovering or love bombing to keep their victim tangled in their web. So that's just what they do constantly. Even if they discard you, they come back. They want to continue their abuse on you. So these types of relationships, they can destroy you mentally and emotionally and financially, as Dr. Thomas stated. Um, your self-esteem will be shattered. You feel worthless. You feel helpless and hopeless. Um, you lose yourself trying to please their insatiable appetites because they are never satisfied and um, you can become depressed, suicidal right. or even homicidal. Um, you can lose your friends and family, you're isolated and you're alone. So that's what makes narcissists 
dangerous because you begin to doubt yourself and your abilities and your usefulness. And then it takes years to rebound from this type of trauma. So mm -hmm. that's why the narcissists yeah, cause a lot of strife and turmoil in your life. And they are, um, you become physically ill sometimes and emotionally traumatized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to also add to uh, what Galen said, because you really lose yourself and your mm -hmm. sense of reality in this relationship because um, one of the tactics that they use in, um, as part of gaslighting is making you think that your reality is not yours. So if, the, if you say the sky is blue, they'll tell you, no, it's not. The sky is brown. And, right. you know, it, just simple things, it, even in conversations, we're having a conversation with them. Um, you may have a date planned and they tell you, oh, I never told you that um, I was available on that date when you know that they did. So they'll yeah. they'll they'll make you challenge your own sense of reality. And I think that's the most dangerous thing of all. Yeah. Wow. I mean the I'm sitting here absorbing both both as writer and as psych nurse. So I'm like, this is this is amazing. But right. but in but in, but in put but in pulling that in, I think it's essential to know, which is again why I'm happy that you all lend, lent your time to this particular program. Because again, with the explosion of social media, I think it's too, I think it's too easy to get misinformation mm -hmm. and not yeah. have and not have access to accurate information. And I know that um, again, you know, speaking frankly, I wish that more African American people would would seek out mental health mm -hmm. and and uh, and therapeutic resources. Because I think sometimes uh, when we don't heal from our own traumas and admit that we have them, then the world by which we are involved in, we, we then will begin to put everybody in, the, in this catch-all basket when people, or as my grandma would say, when people call, you, call spades what they are, then you get mad. So right. it, may, it may not it may not be that, you know, your ex was a narcissist. Maybe you were toxic, too. You know, so maybe maybe you maybe together you all just were not a good fit. It doesn't necessarily have to lend to, you know, the mo the most, you know, the the uh, the worst outcome of those things. But the one I don't I don't know if you all subscribe to the app Scribd or I'm sure you all both know who um, Roxanne Gay is. Right. Yes. She's I I love her. I love Roxane Gay. But uh in the I actually subscribed to Scribd. So she actually did this essay called Writing into the Wound. Now again for the listening audience, uh Roxane Gay is not a clinician. <laughs> she does not hold any, you know, graduate degrees in psychology or any or any of those other of those other healthy professions. She's a writer who had, who has admitted she's had her own trauma and writing through that. So in the essay, Writing into the Wound, she talks about what it means to write through things which are traumatic. I think what some of the specific language she uses in this essay, again, available on script, it's like an hour long. Mm -hmm. And she actually narrates it. Uh, what she says is when you write into the wound, you're, you're literally looking at a situation that you were involved in. And you are literally through the process of writing, literally writing your way through that not focusing just on the pain, but acknowledging that the pain is there. What do you all think about that? Well, I'm, I'm going to say that I really think that Ms. Gay is very brave 
to openly discuss her traumatic experiences. Um, she provides candid details of her experience and suggestions for recovery. Um, and I agree with what she um, what she when she when she says um, that we need to conduct a self-assessment as we provide this, because um, we provide the same advice in our book. She makes a statement that really resonated with me. And it says, um, to heal from trauma, we need to understand the, the extent of it. Yes, yes. So me, and for that, what that means is a understanding the, the extent of it. How does it affect my life? What aspects in my life is this trauma feeding on? Where am mm. I deficient at? How is this trauma preventing me from moving on in relationships, in work, with my family? You know, so people don't understand what trauma does and how it even impacts the body. Yes. Trauma can cause disease. It can cause heart attacks. It can cause anxiety, aneurysm, strokes, heart attacks. So when we talk about our physical health, we have to include our mental health with that because our mental health is what drives the physical health. Right. And that's what I was talking about when I said about the, um, becoming physically ill. I mean, it really, uh, this type of trauma really takes a toll on you. Um, from every aspect of your life. Yeah. So I, I really applaud Miss Gay for her openness. I think she, she has more books too, because she has something, um, something else called Hunger. Yep. She, um, uh, she hunger and uh, hunger, bad feminist, and um, because Rox and because Roxanne Gay has been so open about her sexual trauma as well. Mm -hmm. um, she had the other book that she wrote. Well, it's she's an editor for I think it's like 50 essays. It's also called Not That Bad, where she has other rape survivors who actually write about their experience. Mm -hmm. You know, from the, from this place of, from this place. Not again, not uh, to re-traumatize, but when again, because we all know statistically, most rape victims are women. And some people say, and it's, you know, sometimes it's a male voice, sometimes it's a female voice saying, well, you know, it's not that bad that this, well, that this, that this, that this trauma you've experienced is not that bad. It should not be affecting your life the way that it does. So the, so that collection of essays is a play on uh, that particular harmful phrase. Well, you know, for me as a clinician, doing writing is actually um, something that we do ask our clients to do because it can help them process those feelings, um, those negative thoughts, and help to challenge their reality. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes victims feel or survivors feel like it's their fault. So that journaling can help them reframe their thinking. Mm -hmm. So it's really a cognitive approach that's being used here. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it helps to remote, uh, regulate their emotions and it promotes mindfulness and, and self-care. Yeah. So it um, can reduce stress and boost your mood. So um, a lot of times with the writing, even for me, through this writing process, it mm -hmm. helps me, although I'm still um, 
involved in a narcissistic relationship, I'm still able to write through some of that pain that she talks right. about. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've, I've consistently said on this particular uh, podcast that writing is cheap therapy. And mm-hmm. I have, uh, from my, from my, even my own therapist, shouts to uh, Karen Banks, who I love of uh, Trinity Health, of Trinity uh, Wellness. I love her. Uh, sh- she actually encouraged me from the uh, breakup of my last of my last marriage to continue to write. And I'm like, Karen, you know, every everything is swirling. I can't feel. I can't be. I don't feel like I can get a handle on it. And um, she told me to to continue to journal. And even though you know writing is kind of, is what I do, and you know I've I've done that since I was eight. I've not made a secret about that, especially again on this podcast. And I encourage other people to do that. But sometimes the teacher needs to be reminded that she doesn't know everything. That there, are certain, that there are certain, you know, there are certain, um, and I remember when I reached out to her, I told her, you know, and she, again, she's a black clinician. I told, you know, I inboxed her. I was like, sis, <laughs> not even Karen, not even, not even Miss Van, sis, I'm dealing with some, I'm dealing with some stuff so, so tough that black girl magic is not going, is not going to help me. And uh, she was like, you know, sit, go to my site. We'll get, you know, we'll get, we'll get you back on track. And the one thing that I think is essential, essential especially because you, Galen, are are actively dealing with that situation. I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you're using writing as an outlet for that, and not sitting in that, and not right. being, and not, you know, not being paralyzed by that. Which leads me to my next question. Again, as clinicians. Dealing with this, de- dealing with these situations. Once you identify it, because it's one thing to it's one thing to kind of be in it and think it's and think this situation, this relationship is kind of trash. But it's one thing when your experience and your education come to remind you and say, "No, this is not just trash. This is what this is." Right. <laughs> you know this. You know when you know my my father had a saying that uh, you know really simple. Now you know what you got. Meaning that if like no, they're without flaw, without gloss, without veneer, what you have in front of you is exactly what it is. So in in dealing with that, and I know that you all said that uh, the book came from, you know, brainstorming, brainstorming conversations. But what was that awakening that you had for the for the uh, toxic relationships by which fueled the book? How did you come to grips with again that now you know what you got moment? Like you looked around and said, "This is exa- this this person really means to do me not just physical harm, but mm-hmm. irreparable psychological damage." Like this, like this person really wants to change who I fundamentally am. Mm-hmm. Again, well, that writing into that um, room. For for me, I I was seeing different signs. I couldn't really pinpoint it. As I stated in undergrad, they just skimmed over narcissism, and so I just started looking at some of the things that was that he was doing to me, and then I just started to start researching. I just typed in some information like, "This is what happened. This is what he's doing," and the first thing that popped up was narcissism, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Okay, so then I just started really doing some deep research and seeing. Now is to the point where I can pinpoint exactly what's about to happen. Right. So that is what happened in the beginning for me. And that's how I came to realize what I was dealing with and why I was dealing with it. Mm-hmm. 
which which leads me to my next question. Trauma is often marketed as entertainment. And I know you all as clinicians have, pro have probably seen that and how people excuse things and and things of that nature. One of the things by which I've seen and I've seen in like the last two or three years, especially especially in in uh, high profile relationships, as it were, um, that this idea of abuse has seen has seemingly now become OK. Like with uh, with, with Ray Rice beating up his uh, fiance in the elevator to uh, the rapper Fabulous beating up his uh, his uh girlfriend I don't, even, I don't even know if they're married beating up his uh girlfriend like knocking her teeth out and then coming like over to her father's house tripping and she goes back to him you know it mm -hmm. almost it almost seems as if again which is why i don't really do a whole lot of reality shows but it seems to be excusable quote unquote you know italics underline excusable for for men who have power to act like they have no self-control and then that the women that they're with seemingly have to deal with that in order to keep in order to keep um, access to that power. Again, trauma being entertainment. How do you all think this could be counteracted? Oh, okay. So <laughs> I know that I know that was a lot, but I'm I'm like you know again in exploring in exploring. Uh, don't believe your lying eyes. I'm I'm you know again now you know what you got, and I'm thinking ooh it's a whole lot of. Ooh, it's a ooh, it's a whole lot of these uh young men who might who might benefit from uh reading this because y'all are just out here as my mom would say, y'all just out here in the world just misbehaving, ain't you? So how do you how do you think this could be counteracted? Well, you the thing is we have to really look at because you're talking about um physical abuse, mm -hmm. um that that type of trauma, and that's something specific. Um, and when we talk about that type of trauma, we have to look at the hysterical facts. There used mm -hmm. to be a time where men were allowed to beat their wives every Friday, as long as it was not, as long as it was the branch no thicker than their thumb. Right. So now we're talking about the women's rights and the movement when we talk about that. But when we, when to go back to your original question about, um, marketing i think that marketing trauma as entertainment is a double-edged sword like one, on one hand it informs the public on a, I, on issues of trauma and on the other hand it kind of disregards um the trauma experience and and uses it as some form of exploitation um mm -hmm. But I think if we provided more awareness of the symptoms of trauma and the distress that impacts a person's life, um, that's how we can counteract that. But, you know, this country was founded, again, on trauma. Right. <laughs> so, so we have a long road to go before we can actually counteract um, the marketing component of it. Mm. Yeah. And then even in, in in the mood, like you say, we have trauma in movies. We see trauma on the news. You know, so it's almost like we're desensitized to what trauma even is. And oftentimes people don't realize that they've been traumatized because trauma is a perception. It's ah, all about yes. the individual and how they perceive the experience, whether it's traumatic or not. 
So we have to look at that on an individual level as well, because each person is going to respond to a traumatic event differently. Um, you have 150 people in a plane crash. 150 people are going to have a different reaction. Right. But when you're dealing with uh, narcissism personality disorder, they, I call it death by a thousand cuts mm -hmm. because you don't realize the trauma that you are actually experiencing until it's kind of too late. And next thing you know, emotionally, you are drained, you're exhausted, and you just don't understand what happened to you. Exactly, because, because everything <laughs> is so gradual. You know, it's, yeah. it's very little steps that they take and they test you even from the very beginning before they even enter the relationship with you they have already tested you to mm -hmm. see if you are the the right fit for them will the right you supply. right will you be submissive will you give them the attention that they need will you drop all your friends and family to just be with me because a lot of this is isolating too and getting mm -hmm. you away from your friends and family and even turning your friends and family against you and telling lies on you. Right. Because mm -hmm. these are some, some charming motherfuckers. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dr. Tom. Man. Oh, yes. It, it's, it's, it's okay. I already put it. It's, it's already a disclaimer for this particular show. Uh, we, we, we're, we're fine. We're, we're, we're fine. This, this, is one, this is one of those grown shows. It's, it's okay. They, it's, it's okay. Well, well, this is a grown topic. And unfortunately, exactly. you know, children are exploded. Uh, are uh, subjected to this because they may have a parent that's a narcissist. Right. So they have to deal with it on a whole nother level. I grew yeah. up with a narcissistic parent. Didn't know it until I became an adult. Mm -hmm. You know, almost 50 before I realized and being in the field and still like, what's wrong with this picture? Something's not right. Right. So, because you don't want to admit that your parent has an issue for the most part if there was never something diagnosed in the first place but right. when you're trying to when you're doing that self-evaluation these type of things come up mm -hmm. the, the influences that you've had in your life the people in your life even it your be a, it could be a boss exactly i was just getting ready to say that get out of my head <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't, it, whatever relationships you have, professional relationship, it doesn't matter. They're everywhere. Absolutely. Which then, which then, um, which which then goes into uh, one of my, one of my new favorite books by uh, Dr. Brittany Cooper, uh, Eloquent Eloquent Rage. She says that she says that sass. Is, a, is an acceptable form of rage. And I, and I just shouted at that particular point. But even with, um, even with holding on to that particular quote, and uh, again, with the sensitivity and the depth of this topic, I have to ask, how did you all support one another through this writing process? Because again, this, you know, NPD is, is like a spider web. It kind of it touches everything. And then once you've been entangled, it's hard, it's really hard to get free of that or even acknowledge that you've been caught up in it. So how did you all self-care during this? Well, being our own support system yeah. was the number one thing. 
being able to have someone to talk to about the challenges that we were facing in the relationships, being able to openly discuss what was really happening, how we felt emotionally, you know, that and having someone to believe you. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the biggest challenge is no one really believes you because this the narcissist has this this uh, false image that mm -hmm. they're perfect and you know they're the best thing since apple pie when in reality there's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde syndrome going on there. Right. Right. You know, they're the most nastiest, devious person that you will ever meet walking this well, one of them walking this planet. Um but I forgot the question. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> how how did you how did you self-care through through this writing process? How did you self-care? Oh, oh so yeah, yes. I, yeah, I felt validated. Um no, how did no? She wanted to know what we did to to actually self care. What did we do? Um, oh, I was on vacation. I was actually on vacation while we were writing the book. Oh wow! So, oh, okay, yes, yes. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, I, I meditated a lot. I burned a lot of sage. I still do. Yeah. So I she said I burned a lot of sage. Yes. So I yeah. So I went to the beach. Um, I watched um, movies that were, you know, comedy movies. And um, I went and visit friends and family. And I also did some journaling myself. I did video journaling, especially when I felt um, that, that I was being attacked. I would just um, do a video of myself and I would just let out all of my frustrations and then I would listen to it later and just remember. At one point, I took a picture when I was looking really beat down. And I was like, this is not how you're supposed to look. And so I would go back. I still go back to that when I feel that narcissism. When I say he's narking, I, I call it narking. When he starts narking, I go back to like, okay, he's narking again. Let's look, at, let's look at this picture or let's listen to this video that you recorded. And so that helped me a lot. It still does. Mm -hmm. So, so you you all had to literally build in and build in insulation and release. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. And I think that's essential to to note on this podcast as well. Again, piggybacking off of um, the wisdom that Roxanne Gay says in her writing the wound essay, you have we know we acknowledge that it exists. We acknowledge that trauma is on some level subjective and subject to your own perception. But you also, when you when you get to the point where you can actually say, "I'm ready to write about this," you know, even if you're actively engaged in that situation or actively detangling from that, you need to have some sort of insulation, support, and some kind of release. Mm -hmm. And and as we begin to wrap up, who are, as as far as uh, you know, I, I'm I'm always pulling my authors for uh, reading lists. So who are actually you all's favorite authors when you're not saving the world through uh, mental health? Oh. Well, uh, I, I, I'm more old school. I like Langston Hughes. Um, of course. Uh, Maya Angelou. Yeah. And being a clinician, Victor Yalom, because that's actually 
how we wrote the book, the style of the book is the same style that he writes in. So he was a great influence on our writing style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was there, was there, Oh, Jennifer, we can't hear you. I'm still here, Galen. I think we lost Jennifer, though. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Dr. Thomas. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that, Galen. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Ms. Galen. I don't know what happened that it just broke that I actually heard y'all and you couldn't hear me. But oh, okay. uh, th but this but this is what audio is for. We and we and I'm very grateful for uh, my audio producer who helps make all this more polished than what I could ever hope to imagine. But uh, <laughs> but as we end, and I know that you all said that you're working on second you're working on second book and. Um, Nigel is actually going to contribute a written portion for this particular interview as well. But as we end, what other projects are you all working on, Galen? Oh, so we are going to be writing that this, I can't tell you that really, but <laughs> we are going to be getting more in depth in MPD, um, talking about the different characteristics, even though we talked about it a little bit in the, a lot of it in the book, mm -hmm. but it's going to go into specifics. Uh, deep specifics, so you will be able to fully understand what you're um, involved in, how to get out, and how to heal. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then um, we also have a platform for um, authors. We have a website where we um, help promote their book because you know usually that you want to have a website mm -hmm. to help promote your book. So we offer this um, as a service free for right now. So we help promote um, authors with their books. And next uh, June 20th, we have an author showcase where we are featuring um, indie authors. Awesome. And I'll make sure to leave all that information in the show notes. This is, again, this is this has been eye-opening. This has been healing. This, this has been, this has actually been amazing. So I actually invite you all when the set, when the second book is done, to come back to come back to this space and pr and promote as well because because this is a, this has been a gift I thank you all so much for giving a portion of your weekend for this. Well, you thank, so, thank you. you so much. Yes, for providing the space the space for us and other authors as well. So thank you. And um, having awareness to um, MPD. I mean, we're all we all need to be in this fight together. Yes. So thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. And again, all information will be in the show notes and along along with um, social media information and how to reach and how to reach both of you and Nigel. So I, I look forward to having you all back on the show. I look forward to all the success that you all are going to garner. I wish you nothing but, but positive energy, peace, sweet sleep and a uh, bomb coffee to get to get through the next port the next level of the writing you have to do uh, for this particular tough topic 
Thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. The time has come to leave you to your thoughts and words. The hope is that what was shared in this space was encouraging, empowering, and a catalyst to write. Special thanks to Valor Music LLC for all audio production and mixing. All business inquiries and advertising inquiries can be sent to circlethewritersblock at gmail.com. If you feel so inclined to support the work of this podcast to continue to fight erasure of black and minority writers, consider supporting through Cash App at dollar sign J-B-H-W-R-I-T-E-S, that's J-B-H Writes, or PayPal at S-G-L-L-C dot one zero three eight at yahoo.com. We will see you next time when we circle the blog.